While Miami continues to swelter in a record winter heat wave, bringing temperatures to the mid and upper 90s, the central and Rocky Mountain states are buried in snow. In Colorado, 10 inches of snow has fallen in just a few hours tonight. Travel in the Rockies is almost impossible. Airports are shut down, stranding thousands of passengers. Highways are blocked by snow drifts. Railroad tracks are frozen. Officials in Colorado tell me... Welcome to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast, where we discuss horror movies of the past and present. We are your hosts. I am Richard, and I'm here with Jolian. Hello. And Will. Hello. So, let's get right to it. What have you guys watched since last time? Um, this past week, I watched the first series of Fargo. Fargo. How'd you like first it? First season. I liked it a lot. Um... That's about all I've watched. It was surprising, wasn't it, how good it was? Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I had put it off because I didn't really understand how... Because why? Why was that movie that was <laughs> perfect going to be yeah, going to be a TV show, but I think they did a great job. Yeah, the, the movie didn't need to be messed with, but this took it in a different direction for sure. Yeah. yeah I watched about half of that season and will I, I definitely will revisit it. Julian, how about you? Uh, horror movies, I, I watched, uh, so I watched uh, 30 Days a Night again, and um, uh, I tried watching a few recent, very recent movies. Um, so I saw uh, Ouija and uh, The Uninvited. Hmm. Um, Either of them any good? Mm, no? Com- compared uh, to Witchboard, how is Ouija? I have not seen Witchboard. <laughs> you need to see Thank Witchboard. Thank you, sorry, Witchboard. Right. That's the one with Tawny Katane. From the, um, is it the Still of the Night video? Yeah, yeah, yeah the White you... Snake video. Mm-hmm, yeah, I know <clears throat> yeah, yeah. She's is. the main. She's the main character. Okay, I think I've seen that one. Uh, yeah, Ouija is good for a couple of uh, chills, and uh, I think if I was like a teen, especially if I was a teen girl, I think I'd, I'd really like that one. Um, but as I'm grizzled and jaded, it didn't really uh, go far enough for me. But um, yeah, it, it was pretty good. If you were if you were a teen girl, you'd be like, I can't even. <laughs> and you'd say stuff like that. I don't know. Well, it, 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 didn't, it didn't treat them like that. It treated them like a, you know, fairly smart people. And they're, they're, they're likable, which, is, which makes a difference. And um, uh, it incorporated all the new uh, forms of communication. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was all right. Did anyone have trouble getting a signal on their cell phone? No, no. They didn't. Oh, fucking didn't hell. Because usually that's a problem. What was the uninvited? The uninvited. It wasn't the. Uh, it wasn't anything to do with the Ray Milan, the, okay. the classic ghost movie, which I really recommend. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's this that's what I'm island, and there's this uh, there's this girl who's just come out of an asylum, and um, she's lost her mother in a fire, and uh, and it um, it's there's all these kind of sinister things that she's seeing. And it's one of those movies with a big twist at the end. Oh, so yeah. I won't spoil it, but I guessed it. 
honestly, <laughs> I guessed it straight off because I've I've seen a few of those stories like that. But yeah. again, if it was like one of the first horror movies I'd ever seen, it would have worked. Uh, it's very nicely shot. It's like uh, filmed in um, BC, it's set in off the main coast. Oh, okay. But it's shot off some island in British Columbia and it looks very nice. Hmm. Tax incentives, they shoot a lot of stuff there. <laughs> they shoot everything there, basically. Anything we missed? Um, Did we get it all? I think that's it. Well, I watched... And by the way, I lied to you when... I didn't mean to lie, but I lied to you when I said the 30 Days of Night. No. When I said that uh, Dead Snow was not on Netflix. Yeah, it's back on Netflix. It is. I thought Better Red Than Dead was on there, and the original wasn't. But the original's back on. And Oh, I didn't even look for Dead Snow. Damn. Scenery is so pretty on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but poking around Netflix as I was. It's uh, Red versus Dead. Red red versus, did I say Dead versus Red? You said, I think you said Better Red than Dead. Did I? I think better Dead than Red. <laughs> <laughs> well, Red. That what? could be the third one. Uh, yeah, that could. Yeah, but... The sequel is like um, they bring out like uh, Russian soldiers. Right. Have a big face off. Yeah, it's 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 goofy. <laughs> I will call yeah, it goofy. Yeah, it's got a great sick ending <clears throat> to the tune of uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart. <laughs> <laughs> the the destruction with the tank is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I watched that was really compelling, um, and went back and did something right that wasn't done right the first time was Soaked in Bleach. It's a documentary about. The untimely death of Kurt Cobain and what oh. all could be going on behind that. Like what could have actually happened that we weren't told about. What a conspiracy thing. Um, and it would, yeah, it would, it would appear to a lot of people that this falls under the wacky conspiracy theory umbrella. But when it comes down to it, a lot of the um, official story and a lot of the stuff that was um, discovered and told wasn't the whole story. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more to it. And this comes from... Unlike the first documentary, which came out 20 plus years ago. Kurt and Courtney. Kurt and Courtney, which I saw at a film festival in Hawaii. Uh, and the parts in that that came from the detective who Courtney hired were um, interesting and compelling. And a lot of the rest of it was kind of weird and all over the board. This documentary is all about that detective and uh, mostly about him, I should say. And uh, his point of view and his first-hand experience so it's very interesting to to get that straight from him because he was minding his own business on an easter sunday and when the phone rang and he wasn't expecting anyone to be calling on a sunday especially an easter sunday and it was courtney love looking to hire a private detective and this story goes on with he's not reluctant he's he's the opposite of reluctant he's all about doing the job and doing it correctly and I think she wasn't counting on that. So this is where it all becomes very interesting. The evidence that's presented, like I said, is very compelling and differs greatly from what we've been told. You were in town at the time, weren't you? I, I was you, living in Seattle when Kurt died. photographs of the, uh, yes, the I, people I, meeting afterwards. Yeah, the, um, the candlelight vigil. I, I shot the rest of my roll of color, which was probably half a dozen frames, and then a roll of 24 black and white. And I was broke. I had long hair and I was broke. <laughs> yeah, they're great photos. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I, only, I never showed, except for a set of proofs, I never showed them before 
the 10 year anniversary. And then I framed them <clears throat> in uh, black frames with black mats mm. and did a show 10 years to the day that I shot the photos, which went by in a blink, by the way. Um, so I was around at the time and I knew that there was a lot of, uh, a lot of opinions and feelings that, um, that were based on what was told. And this is the other, the rest of that story. And it's very interesting for anyone who, who is, um, who's a fan of, of Nirvana, of Kurt Cobain, or finds true crime stuff interesting. Um, it's worth a look for sure. Mm. It's done very well. Documentary is done very well. So soaked in bleach. I also watched dark star HR Giger's world. And I used to say Geiger, but I understand mm. it's Giger. Um, that that is really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's dark in a way that Giger was a, <laughs> a different kind of dude. Yes, <laughs> and you get to see uh, his house and just the piles and piles of stuff that's probably got a lot of awesome art hiding in it. <laughs> mm. So it's it's very interesting and and fun to watch. And then uh, I watched a documentary about um, uh, Back to the Future called Back in Time. You know, because it was Thanksgiving, and I like watching that around Thanksgiving, you know. So this was a documentary about the movies. It was cool. It was all right. Enough about that. (laughs) All Um, right. Let's go to this thing where we talk about three wintry movies. We are recording this almost exactly one mile from the control tower of what used to be the Stapleton Airport. We now have DIA, or Denver International Airport. But... The one with the reptiles. Yes, the one with the... <laughs> talk about your conspiracies and your craziness. Um, Kurt Cobain was trying to expose the reptilian plot. His wife, a reptilian shapeshifter, had to have him killed. Yeah, you. if you if you don't know the conspiracy theories about Denver International Airport, look at Go them online. So fun. Yeah, they're fantastic. And if you want to just... Google something funny, Blucifer. Just do a Google image search of Blucifer. We have a giant blue horse oh, with yeah. glowing red eyes. The official name is Mustang. I like before they had an Anubis statue out there. <laughs> Whenever Anubis. I'm taking the uh, shuttle, uh, I always, ex- you know, if there's people who are new in town, I explain to them about the statue and how how much I love it. And yeah. uh, they, they, you know, if people say, "Oh, it looks evil," and say, "Oh, you know, it killed the sculptor." It did, right? Yeah. <laughs> Now, we're all three illustrators, and that's something that we used to mention at the beginning of the podcast, but uh, we're in less danger than a sculptor of our art killing us. (laughs) Paper cut. (laughs) Paper cut. Accidental stabbing of a quill to the eye. I don't know. Uh where were we? We were gonna. Oh, no, so we were, we're talking about three wintry movies. Three wintry movies, and Stapleton we are Stapleton Airport. Stapleton Airport, which ties to you. I'm not in Miami. I am at Stapleton Airport. Um, Dick Halloran uh, lands in Stapleton Airport to rent a car and head up to a place where he can get a snowcat and drive up the Sidewinder Road to uh, the Overlook Hotel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that very airport is. A mere mile from where we're sitting. But that was shot in England, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So this means, as they would say in England, fuck all. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sweet Fanny Haddens. <laughs> all right. So we watched three wintry movies or revisited some scenes of them. Uh, yes. So what did you think on, on the rewatch of 
30 Days of Night, Jolien. I, I enjoyed it more the second time around. It was very cold when you watched it, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the right season for it. About 15 degrees outside. Oh, man. I don't... Ooh, yeah. I don't want to tell anybody how how funny our winters actually are here because everyone will keep moving here. But when we get a cold snap, it's it's a good reminder that win- winter is a real here. thing. Yeah, don't move here. Please don't move here. It's not the coldest I've ever been, but like uh, uh, that that movie's set in like the northernmost town in Barrow, the US, Alaska. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and um, that's an actual place, right? Yes, it is. Uh-huh. And. Um, yeah, and I I spent a year in the northernmost town in uh, Japan. So the um, uh, the next thing up is Russia, and the winter weather is coming directly across the sea from Siberia. Mm. And uh, as I was being driven up there the first time, uh, the fellow said, um, "Oh, in uh, in this town, the snow falls upwards." And oh, I must be translating that wrong. <laughs> and, uh, but I got there, and because it. You know, it's it's up on the cliff, and and uh, so the Siberian winds just come down and go straight up, and oh wow, it's incredibly cold. It's frightening sometimes. You feel wow. your eyeballs freezing. Mm, good stuff. I, I came <laughs> up with a word for um, violently blowing snow: snonema. <laughs> when it's going up into places it shouldn't. Yeah. Which is usually, you know, like your patio or something, but it's Japan. They call it fubuki. Fubuki? <laughs> does that mean snow going up your butt? <laughs> exactly. It does? How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> because I made up snonema, <laughs> so it just made sense. Uh, so this uh, this town of Barrow, Alaska, I doubt there's this exodus where, oh, I'm going to have to make it to the airport. Yeah, just and for get a month? Out. Yeah, it's a month. Come on. I could do that no. standing on my head, for fuck's sake. It's uh I mean, they do have some sunlight. I don't think it becomes totally dark for yeah, 30 I mean, days. Scandinavians must be laughing at that because it, yeah. it's dark for so long over there. And just for a month, everyone you know, goes down to Anchorage or something. I don't think they do. <laughs> I don't think so either. That was, that was a problem in this film. One of many. I was going to ask you, how many problems did you find? <laughs> all of them. I found all of the problems. <laughs> <laughs> was Josh Hartnett one of them? Josh Hartnett was one of them. He is so wooden. I'm not familiar with him. Is it, so He's what, what's he been in? I, uh, I, I he liked him in this movie. Black Dahlia. Um, okay. Oh, 40, that, that's the rub right there, days, isn't it? 40 Nights. Yeah, because Will was an expert on the Black Dahlia. Case. Yeah, actually, I like the movie The Black Dahlia. Right. I mean, it's got nothing to do with the crime, <laughs> and Josh Hartnett's okay in it. He's an all right guy, but I don't know. He does seem a little wooden (laughs) so when our main characters start uh exposing what's going on with them and where they have to get and what they have to do because oh no it's going to be 30 days of night yes the the setup is uh, like uh the sun goes down and then doesn't come up again in this area for 30 days so 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 airplanes can't take off at night so yeah, these, evidently. <laughs> that is a problem. These mysterious people turn up and havoc ensues. There's a, a little um, a little hint to something's wrong, that there's a pile of burned cell phones. Yeah, you get all these, these... It's kind of like the fog at the start, isn't it, for the first half hour or so. It's like the fog and you get these clues. There's like all the cell phones are being burned. 
Right. Uh, the helicopter has been sabotaged. That was another problem. <laughs> right. The cell phones. Yeah. So so going in, you know, knowing knowing the setup of the film, you, you kind of guess oh what's going on, and but none of the characters have any idea. And yeah. why, why would you? <laughs> yeah. Why would they? I would immediately I would immediately suspect a possessed evil car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's where my looks mind like would the go. work of an evil car. <laughs> Wheels. <laughs> Wheels. So um, they don't waste a lot of time getting to the action, though, I noticed. It's, it's on to it pretty quick. That's, yeah. what, that's what I didn't care about this movie. Was the vampires come out, and they have like 30 days, but they kill mm -hmm. like so many people yeah. five minutes after sundown <laughs> yeah i mean what the hell pace yourself yeah that, that's why I, that's my main thing it's like you, it mathematically tells you certain things like you've got 30 days mm -hmm. it spells out there's 152 people yeah in the town so you think there's going to be all this exact measurement going out but then it gets kind of um vague about how much time is passing that i had a hard time figuring out how much time would had passed yeah. and i thought it'd been three days and suddenly it says 18 days yeah exactly i thought the same thing like how, how long has it been you know yeah but 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 that basic thing of uh the vampires turn up like 40 minutes into the movie they kill everyone in sight and you think they've got everyone trapped they've yeah carefully trapped everyone it's practically a walk-in freezer yeah exactly uh there's, there's about two three dozen of them yeah it's, it's the equivalent like of that it's the equivalent of filling up on um the bread rolls <laughs> before <laughs> dinner comes yeah but so they could last it for 30 days and then then take off yeah but, and i thought the movie would be a lot more suspenseful right. if you didn't know who was next or really what it was out there that you know people are just yeah. disappearing no one can leave the town there's no communications why didn't they just cut out the communications tower instead of burning all the cell phones which seemed goofy it did well clumsy writing <laughs> it is it is and i don't think it's aimed at an audience that's super analytical about these things or barely awake <laughs> <laughs> they can't they can't i describe pirates of the caribbean too this is a movie for children and halfwits <laughs> <laughs> i you know i will confess to actually really really enjoying 30 days of night yeah. I could totally the aesthetics are great I could I did like the aesthetics I could totally get in see getting into this movie yeah. it just I watched it and it just seemed kind of like a lot of spoiled opportunity mm -hmm. that it could have been I like the idea I think it could have been handled so much better than oh my god we gotta hide right the vampires can't find you anyway it doesn't seem like they can smell us you know? they can smell your blood apparently yeah. yeah but they don't find them for 30 days they don't find them nobody seemed concerned about food or supplies or, or going to the bathroom yeah any of that <laughs> they can smell you take a dump yeah but i mean i, I was i was actually thinking that they could smell that yeah right. like yeah. they're stuck in this loft there's like a dozen people up in this loft yeah they can and it spells out that they can literally smell your blood yes it does so they have heightened sense of smell. They can smell anything they want. But I, I like it. I mean, apart from these these quibbles about the, the logistics, uh, it's really nice looking film. It is a nice looking film, and it's a great high concept. 
Yeah, and I it like is, the characters. It is great high concept. It's just I feel like they they really fumbled in the. And how about the delivery. look of the vampires? I like the look of the vampires. I thought they were neat. Um, I was about to mention. I that thought too. they were a little too gory. They seem to just tear people apart rather than drinking blood. But whatever. Yeah, there's something about vampires they, in movies having to get it all over themselves i mean if they if they like drinking blood don't you think they'd want to get more of it in them than on them exactly yeah it seemed like they were spilling <laughs> about 95 percent of every meal they had yeah they wouldn't need all 30 days and <laughs> all that many victims if they would just drink it yeah, yeah now the physiology uh, the slightly contorted eyes and the mm-hmm. crazy claws and the smaller than normal fangs but more of them that whole look really worked for me. Yeah, I yeah, mean, that it was, was a good look. Spooky. Yeah, I mean, as the last time I remember anything looking quite that distorted and weird was Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We was, need more weird-looking vampires. They, they kind of look Slavic. They look like a lot of people I've seen around London, and like, but uh, it pushes it that one step further. It's slightly less human. Right. Mm-hmm. There is an Eastern European sound to their guttural speak, isn't yeah, there? Yeah. I wonder I wonder who dealt with the Yeah, what was that? The linguistics on that one. Cuz I know that for example in um Game of Thrones, they had a this linguistics expert create this language, but he also created the languages it would have evolved from. So I know yeah. that there are some people who can do this who oh, yeah. who will really lay the groundwork. Yeah. So that's some pretty interesting stuff. But overall, uh, I would say, other than the look of the vampires, my favorite thing was the muffin monster. Do you remember this thing? (laughs) Muffin monster. That crazy garbage disposal thing. Oh, yes. They're like, hey, let's chuck a fridge in there. Look at it go. Yeah. That was cool. That was cool. It's so cool. They just leave it running. Yeah. It's just running all the time. That's not dangerous at all. No. But it, it's a good way to dispose of a vampire, isn't it? Yeah. Have either of you watched that um, Sons of Anarchy series? No. no, I've not. Oh, there was a guy from that in this, but that, oh, okay. that doesn't matter. Which one? Bobby Elvis. Bobby Elvis. That was his character's name mm-hmm. in uh, Sons of Anarchy. Okay. And, and I like the music as well. Yeah. yeah. It, did, it did sound pretty cool. Yeah, it looked great. It's just, I, I don't know. They wrapped it up kind of nice and tidy at the end, didn't they? Yeah, and it's kind of a tragic ending. Yeah, know? I wish they had. Uh, I just wish they had spent more time on the characters. Now, Julian, you've you've something. had some some firsthand experience. <laughs> that was something or something. Do something with this movie. This is why people tune in to get such such into... insight. <laughs> well, for a peek behind the curtain, Julian has had some firsthand. Uh, experience with um, the creator of this. Yeah, it, tell it, us a little about so that. It's based on uh, uh, comic books by Steve Niles and Ben Templesmith. Mm, who do you know? Uh, well, I I didn't know th- know them, but uh, I I sat next to Steve Niles at a comic con we both did. Oh, is that the guy you stole the wallet from? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's a super nice guy, and uh, so we we just talking monster movies of course yeah. and uh, yeah we he was talking about this project he's working on this is a, a tale full of woe <laughs> uh so 
prepare yourselves. Um, yeah, so we we're talking about this certain kinds of uh, monster music. I don't want to give it away because I don't think he's he's actually he's brought it out yet. But um, I was really excited about it, and uh, uh, and he, he liked my stuff, and and uh, so I was all keen on it. And then like a couple of days later, I said, "So when, when do you want me to send you over the character designs?" and and he said, oh, oh no, I'm so sorry, man. I didn't mean to, you know, I, I, I'm going to do this project with someone else. I've already got lined up. Oh, <laughs> oh man. I, I, I was so heartbroken. Oh. It was very sad. Yeah. Uh, can, we, can we cut in some violins here? Yes, yes. we can. We can Small. cut in violins. But he's a super nice guy. And he, he, he did this excellent book called uh, Frankenstein Alive Live with uh, Bernie Wrightson. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. It was gorgeous. Bernie Wrightson, who illustrated the Silver Bullet, mm-hmm. Stephen, or Cycle of the Werewolf. Yeah, it's called. And the original Swamp Thing series. Yeah. Oh, he goes way back, way before Cycle of the Werewolf, but. Yeah. Yeah, great, great artist with a very distinctive style. I met him at a show here. Did you? Yeah, I could not believe it. He was sitting there selling like original pages. <laughs> I met him and his wife, and there they had no one at their table. Yeah. Oh, that and is such a drag like, when you see that. His portfolio of original work was amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think he took, I don't know, he took like a year on Frankenstein or more. Oh yeah. I don't That's remember. It's some, you know, each page took. A month or more or something. Yeah. It was crazy amount. I don't remember. I only spoke to him about ten minutes or so. But. And, and and also I I know uh, Ed Kramer who who now lives here and he teaches at the Art Institute uh, computer animation, but he 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 worked on the um, uh, Columbia logo. Oh, did he? <laughs> so, so that's two people I I vaguely know from this. The movie. one with the the Columbia logo holding the torch with a woman. Yeah. So yes. he, his speciality is. Uh, uh, animation of particles oh. so he worked on the clouds that travel behind her oh well wow. that makes sense so, and he, he so he's, he he'll proudly point out that he did the cockroaches in uh, the mummy movies and uh, oh. uh he was he was in charge of the team that animated jar jar binks and oh uh, oh uh, and and he, he did the rock monster in um uh what's the galaxy uh galaxy quest galaxy quest yeah. oh okay yeah. not guardians of the galaxy no, no. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, yeah, but he lives here now. He teaches at the Art Institute. Oh, cool. Yeah, Denver's uh, becoming a, a place to be, isn't it? It's, uh, Unfortunately. it's kind of a refuge from Hollywood because the, uh, the, if you set up office here, you get, get a tax break. The taxes are cheaper. And, and legal weed. <laughs> legal weed. <laughs> I didn't know James Elroy had moved here. No? Yeah, no. he lives here now. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah, it was met, on the Westward. Dan Simmons a few times. He, he yeah, lives Dan here. Simmons lives here. And there's a um, Violent Femmes cover band that had the distinct honor of having uh, Gordon Gano from Violent Femmes join them on stage to perform a couple numbers. He lives here now. <laughs> oh, does he? Yeah, Gordo is here. So yeah, it's it's a it's a happening place. Yeah. And and uh, we have Foxy Brown herself, don't we? Yeah, she. Uh, I went to a, when she did. Um, she did this really good autobiography uh, mm-hmm. called Foxy. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, she was there with all of her family, and we, we were sitting just behind her, her mother and sisters and so on. And yeah, yeah so we got them all to sign the book. Oh, oh that's that's really fun. cool. Yeah, I love Pam Greer. Yeah, Pam Greer is one of a kind for sure. 
So overall, this movie, uh, 30 Days of Night, I have recommended it to people. Oh, yeah. Very good. You know, I think it's fun to you look at. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> now, we haven't covered everything that's have wrong with this yet. Have you talked to these people after? No, I hide from everyone I recommend movies to. Oh, good. Especially the Plan 9 people. Uh, so what else did you find wrong with this movie, Will? Uh, As the detractor of the group. <laughs> well, I found that there was no... I couldn't tell one person from another, if you ask me, uh, other than Josh Hartnett and his ex-wife, who had no chemistry. That's I really what, that's just why felt nothing. That's why they're divorced. <laughs> yeah, maybe what, what so. What's her name? What's the actress? She um, was in Teristas. Oh, I can't remember. Hmm, I could look that up. Something Gilbert. So you didn't feel there's any. Melissa Gilbert. Melissa Gilbert? <laughs> Any chemistry between no, them? No, that's no, half pint. No, and I don't know how much... Uh, <laughs> half pint? What? <laughs> Little House in the Prairie. Oh, okay. Come on now. Let's see. <clears throat> Let's pull up the cast list here on IMDb. Okay. Let's see, 30. I'll just edit this and make it make it sound like we just pulled this right I wonder if up. there's like a... Um, a harder cut of this movie because sometimes it it shies away from gory consequences and sometimes it goes for it yeah that seemed kind of inconsistent yeah um i suppose i didn't read anything on this other than somebody's review who uh somebody from barrow who Mm -hmm. was laughing about how the town was set up and how they don't have like a full month of night and Mm. There's very few vampires there. <laughs> and the ones that are are longtime members of the community, trusted, well-liked. Shop owners. Shop owners. Aldermen. Yeah. Uh, the actress's name is Melissa George. 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 Melissa, middle name boy. Melissa Boy George. No, it's Suzanne. Um, would you believe she's 39 years old? Wow. She doesn't look a day over 38. Uh, let's see. She's in that TV show, The Good Wife. She was in Gothica, some other stuff, Bag of Bones. I've seen Teristas. There's also 30 Days of Night, Dark Days. Yes. Did you stumble upon that? I've not watched it, and I'm not tempted to based on the reviews. Yeah, I started it, and I said, this looks different. <laughs> oh, this isn't the same movie. Yeah, <laughs> so I you... backed out of it early. I did the exact same thing. It, it just starts. It's like there were a hundred people killed or something. And the town was destroyed. It's like wow, this just jumps right in. It does. <laughs> now it's it's a sequel. So you gave up on it because? It... Oh, I just I went ahead and watched the original. I didn't bother to go back okay. and watch the sequel. It's just it was labeled as just third days of night. So you know. I think the thing I forgot to mention earlier, the horror movie Harbinger, the Harbinger of Doom character that they're so um, happy to throw into movies that are kind of, especially yeah. ones that are aimed at the mainstream more so. The guy who ends up, he's being weird in the bar and they end up locking yeah. him up in the jail cell. He's kind of a Renfield character, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So they have a Renfield for sure. And you think, well, you know, something really bad is going to happen when he gets out. And I think one of the vampires just kills him. Yes, he didn't. So, so all he did was taunt. It went nowhere, and then he gets killed. Yeah. So I don't know. 
if they placed him there for a reason or not. If the reason was to taunt, maybe blood smells better if it's full of fear. Are we to take it? He's the guy who's been busily snatching everyone's cell phones. That's what I, yeah. I I took it as he was the one snatching cell phones and killing dogs. Yeah, he kills all the dogs. Because that's that's below the pay grade of your vampires. Uh, Yeah, that was my main problem with it is he was an unnecessary character. He didn't add much. I mean, they could have written him a little differently. It would have been fine. But he didn't do a lot. And these these vampires can throw people clear across the street. And why are they worried about dogs? Yeah. Huskies yeah. are vampires' natural enemy. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It didn't... Yeah, I was thinking about... Because um, uh, back in the day, you had... The evil side would have all these magical powers. Yeah. But the good side would also have magical powers. But that doesn't play these days you can't have someone pull out a crucifix and yeah be okay. that's true it, it's missing so the, these people are really you know you see these vampires they're so powerful they've got everything on their side and people have nothing yeah uh, nothing but their wits yeah. and their ability to hold it until the vampires leave <laughs> i mean honestly if uh, only the writers had had some wits how did you like the kills in this uh, I don't know. They're just sort of over the top. Yeah, they, which I enjoyed. I, I liked how over the top they were. That's, yeah. That's one of the yeah, things I, I liked can, about it, especially when they finally uh, took Chekhov's muffin muncher machine and chucked a vampire into it. How, yes, how, how that was when good. His, uh, he, he finds the, his, one of his, uh, the town people comes crawling out from under a house and then that person starts changing Right. And uh, and so Josh Hartnett realizes he has to whack him with an axe. Right. Yeah. That's pretty tough. Takes him, it takes him some effort to get his head off of his shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty gory. And even though it only takes a matter of seconds, it's drawn out. Yeah. But, and you don't, you see, I mean, you see the axe connect once, but it doesn't, it, it's focused on what it's doing to the sheriff to have to do this. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was good. It doesn't look like a lot of fun for him. But who could tell with Josh Hartnett? Now, how does this compare to... (laughs) (laughs) In in terms of scenery, you're not going to get a whole lot because it mostly takes place at night. I mean, some of the overhead shots are great. These crane shots with all the blood kind of trails and splatter. But... It's got those beautiful landscape shots. It does. Toward the beginning, especially. And the end as well. They got a sunrise at the end. Yeah. This this stuff is all really nice looking. Doesn't hold a candle to dead snow and how gorgeous (laughs) this is. Let's talk about that one a little bit. Okay. Dead Dead snow was fantastic. (laughs) It was a lot of fun. Yes. I didn't expect this to be a really serious movie. No. I expected it to be a little weird and a little funny, um, but I what I didn't even imagine it would do is show you all this really beautiful scenery. Mm. Yeah. So this is uh, the when when you're going into a, a Nazi zombie horror movie, yeah. your expectations are rock bottom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You're thinking this could really be a piece of crap. But you're not thinking, are, are they going to show me sweeping views of these wonderful yeah, yeah. snowy mountains and these clear blue skies? You're not really <laughs> thinking that, but you get a lot of that in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's really, really nice to look at. Yeah. The, the girls are pretty. Uh, uh, the scenery's pretty. And mm-hmm. then um, 
the Nazi zombies are dressed really sharp. I mean, a little dusty and a little frosty, but um, yeah, but yeah, really. Hugo Boss was their designer, I was wasn't he? Say Hugo Boss there. <laughs> you know, when he's your designer, even if you're pretty evil, that is the only good thing you could say about the Nazis. They were snappy dressers. <laughs> they really were. They had fashion sense. <laughs> they did, and that's part of what gave them so much momentum, even after death in a frozen grave. So. Yeah. The first time watching this, what did you think? Like, scene by scene as you're getting into it? It was funny. Yeah. Some of it was scary. Uh-huh. Uh, delivered on the gore and spades. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, I really, I enjoyed this one. It it went quickly. Um, I should have watched them back to back. I, I didn't rewatch Dead Snow, but because maybe I could compare them better, but... Um, Dead Snow had everything 30 Days of Night was lacking. Yeah. Well, that's that's so funny. We should get this out of the way first before we even go into this. If you if you had the two DVDs uh, in front of you and, and somebody said, hey, could I borrow one of those movies? I mean, you'd hand them Dead Snow, wouldn't you? Yeah. Me too. Yeah. That would be the party movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Better watched in a group, probably. I would, I'd recommend them both. I, I yeah. Like them both. I would, I would, I would, and have recommended both, but I would say the the more fun and the more interesting to look at is definitely Dead Snow. Yeah, if if maybe the uh, Thirty Days had had a snappier script that Dead Snow seemed to have. Yeah, Thirty Days I get about a third into it, and I my mind starts being preoccupied by all the logistical. Yes, yes, it really. I think they pushed that, and then they didn't. They had no payoff yeah. with it. Yeah, it seems it seems so because uh, they've got these exact figures coming out, and then they wander away from it. Yeah. Wonder, why did they drop that? It was a lot of things like that. Whereas okay, anyway. Dead Snow just moved along. <laughs> yeah. You got some cars heading up the mountains yeah, get, to uh, get people isolated. Here's uh-huh. the threat. I, I wrote myself a uh, a quick a quick. Uh, description of this a bunch of spoiled dicks go to an isolated cabin in the mountains to snowmobile and try to get laid but did you dislike them uh the guys were not loathsome they were just kind of spoiled entitled kind of characters well, I, I know i i've known a lot of medical students because a lot of my family you know worked in hospitals okay and they have that kind of humor that black humor okay yeah kind of makes sense and yeah yeah i thought they were all right characters and they, they kind of play with the uh, the usual gang of youths because they have the the movie nerd and things it's right. very yeah. kind of meta sort of humor he yeah wa- he wastes no time getting referential right even mentioning Evil Dead <laughs> yeah because they're heading to a cabin not in the woods necessarily but they're heading to a remote cabin so mm-hmm. uh, I think they wanted to lay it out right away like yeah, yeah we know we know you know we know we we know <laughs> that you know that we know yeah and, which uh, can be really repulsive sometimes but I didn't mind it here. And here's some Norwegian hair metal while we go scooting yeah. up the mountain. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, that was really, really cool. <laughs> no, I'm not so keen on that. But we got Hall of the Mountain King. Yes. That was pretty cool. Yes. Using a bit of classical music to uh, play out a really weird scene that you're not sure at first what's going yeah, on. it kind of sets the tone, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. The pacing on this moves right along, by the way. Mm-hmm. I like that about this movie. Um, I have a few problems with it. Uh, some stuff I don't know if you could say is a problem of it being tropes but some things that are becoming tropes Um, they established the cell phone reception trope right away Mm -hmm. 
and even said, uh, yeah, this is that crap that always happens in horror movies, I think. Yeah. Is what the movie nerd points out. Well, thank you for <laughs> pointing out the trope that you have to use. Or maybe you don't have to use it. I don't know, but uh, they threw that out there right away. We got a horror movie harbinger. Um, the guy who comes knocking on the door. Yeah, he, he was like a known actor in Norway. I forget his name. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, he's kind of rude, kind of arrogant. Yes. <laughs> I, but that I, makes him unreliable. Yeah. Yeah, so they can they can dismiss everything he said. Mm-hmm. He tells them that their coffee is shit, and then he drinks their beer. I think he's smoking indoors, and then yeah, he he's out of there. After he tells them, and this is the exposition that we get from the Harbinger, he tells them about all this stuff that happened during World War II mm. and lays the groundwork for, yeah, there's Nazis under the snow. Yeah. So moving Zombies, on. Zombies, Nazis. Zombie Nazis. Nah, zombie. I don't know. There's got to be a combo word there, right? I I've, I made a list of uh, all the Nazi zombie films I could think of, and I think it's a genuine sub sub genre now. <laughs> I don't doubt it. How many could you think uh, of? Seventeen. Really? Seventeen? Gee. Wow. Is that a lot? Or? That's a hell of a lot. I well, I've not heard of the other fifteen besides <laughs> the two Dead Snow movies. Um. Well. There's um goes back to uh there's Revenge of the Zombies in nineteen forty three where you got John Carradine as a Nazi. Huh. It was the Revenge of the Nerds sequel that a lot of people forgot. And there was a <laughs> King of the Zombies in nineteen forty one, which is set in World War Two and the scientist is Austrian, but he's not explicitly Nazi, but the actor is Henry Victor who who played Nazis. That that was called King of the Zombies? King of the Zombies. He died in my G fucking King of the Zombies. Hmm, there's a Shaun of the Dead reference Revolt there. Revolt of the Zombies is 1936, where you have the idea of people being brainwashed, uh, this time it's in Cambodia, uh, to be used against Germans. Hmm. So that, that, but that's the, I think that introduced the concept of uh, people being zombified to act as soldiers. And hmm. then Revenge of the Zombies made it explicit that there were Nazi zombies. Uh, and then the, uh, uh, like the first decent one was uh, Shockwaves, 1976. Have you seen that one? No, I've not. Uh, it's got Peter Cushing as oh, the Nazi nice. scientist. I've seen the box art, but I've never poster. watched it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, Ken Wiederhorn, who directed uh, Return of the Living Dead Part Two. Ah. I may be mispronouncing his name. Um, it's a, it's a, like a, almost a third of these movies are made in the UK. Um, there was a, um, uh, one called The Frozen Dead in 1966, where it's I've like heard of a, that. Germans being kept in a cold storage to be reawoken for the Fourth Reich. Um, and then circa 1980, there was the boom of Nazi zombie movies. So you had uh, <laughs> Night of the Zombies in 1981, which is apparently terrible. I've not seen that one. Okay. Zombie Lake 1980, which... Uh, was supposed to be directed by Jess Franco, um, but he they couldn't find him, so they, <laughs> they pulled in Jean Roland to finish it off. Um, it's not good. It's not good. Uh, but Yet somehow you own it. If you want, oh yeah. If you want to uh, watch a, a good Jean Roland zombie movie, then check out Grapes of Death. Okay. Uh, there's Oasis of the Zombies where they did find 
Jess Franco, and um, that's also not good. But if you want to see, uh, it's not good in a different way. Italian chicks in in cutoffs wandering around the desert and not sure, zombies. Right. You know, it delivers. Okay. It delivers. Um, and then uh, there's a f- weird French movie called Devil's Story in 1986, which has a Nazi zombie and also has a mummy in it. Uh, it's strange. It's not as good as I'm making it sound. Oh. Uh, <laughs> And then, uh, and then we've had like the recent ones, like uh, so we've had Dead Snow. Uh, there's another British one called The Bunker, where these Nazi zombies turn up right at the end. Uh, uh, that was alright though. Isn't there a little dream sequence or um, some sort of cut in in American Werewolf in London? Yeah, there's that Nazi zombie who jumps out the curtains. Right. Yeah, and he's kind of got that wolfish head. Yeah. Is that a uh, is that a dream sequence exactly? Or? That's, that's well, I don't want to spoil it for people, but it's like a double dream sequence. Okay, yes, for people who haven't seen this thirty-year-old movie, <laughs> you should. You it's should great. watch it. Watch it. You should, it you should get off your ass and watch it. <laughs> yeah. So recently, we've had like a horrors of war. Uh, three movies um, in the Outpost franchise. Uh, there's one called Frankenstein's Army. Yes. Uh, war of the Dead, which is lame. Uh, Frankenstein's Army was okay. Um, it's made by this guy who he was going to make a, a another Nazi zombie movie, and he made these two trailers for it. Um, what was that one called? But the first trailer is like a, somewhere in, in the flatlands. It looks like a, it's a, in the Netherlands or something, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's really quiet and misty. And then you see these parachutes coming through the mist and landing. There's lowlands. You're like, wow, I wanted to see that movie, but uh, you didn't get it made. Oh, oh, that's too bad. What's that called? I forget now. But anyway, yeah, so he made Frankenstein's Army. And then uh, I think there's a third Dead Snow entry, and the third one's apparently pretty poor. The second one is really goofy. It's really goofy. It's got <laughs> great moments. It does. I mean, if you could just cut these scenes together and, and make a trailer that doesn't show you the goofiness of it, it'd be very intriguing. Mm. Um. One of the things, it's a new trope that I'm really not a fan of, is the using intestines as things other than intestines. <laughs> like crochet. Yes, unraveling them, uh, skipping rope with them, whatever the hell people are doing with them. Mm. Just stop it already. If they spill out and hit the ground, leave it. Tying them to something and pulling them out, the, did, stop did it. Did that start with the reanimator? I think it did. I can't think of an instance before that. And, and on that note, if any of our listeners can think of the first instance... Can, can think about the uses for intestines. <laughs> yes. Alternate uses for intestines. Um, if anyone can think of the first instance of somebody opening a medicine cabinet or a door with a mirror on it yeah. and then closing it and the killer is now behind them, what's the earliest instance of that you can think of? Tell us, because eventually we'll get it back as far as it goes and then we'll know. And then we'll know. Yeah. They didn't bother in Nosferatu because there wouldn't be a reflection. So yeah, it's not 1922. Not... Later than that, I imagine. It has to be. Yeah, I can't think of... Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you would you would see it in all the 80s slasher flicks. And then what happened? It's kind of like the yeah. drunk, uh, th- you know, seeing the impossible thing and then rubbing <laughs> his eyes and throwing the bottle away. Yep. It's, the, it's as tropey as that. But I don't think it's as old as that. 
there's, there's one I haven't seen in a while, which is where a foreground character bends down or something, and then the threat is right behind them, and, and they were blocking it out. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, like they bend down to splash water on yeah, their so face or really, pick something up they dropped. There's a really good one in Tenebrae. Oh, yeah. Mm. And there's one in one of the Brian De Palma ones that we're, where it's about the twins. Oh, um, is that Raising Cain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does it in that. Lifgow. But that goes back to at least 1960. There's a film called Hands of Orlac. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, they, they do that. That's the earliest one I know about. Which is a remake, The Hands of Orlac. Yes. Of a silent film. <laughs> has, well, uh, it has sound, right? The yeah. guy who played uh, The Man Who Laughs in it. Yeah, and uh, there's v. the Peter Lorre one. With oh, yeah, there's that too. Mad Love. Mad love, yeah. Anyway. Is this officially a sidetrack now? Yes. It's a sidetrack. <laughs> okay. Welcome to sidetracks. Yes. Tell us the earliest instances of... Yeah, please. Scenery. Hit us up on our Facebook or our Instagram. Chewing the Scenery is where you find us on Instagram. Uh, so back to the scenery and whatnot. Did, did you notice the excellent exploitation of the scenery in the snowmobile pulling the inner tube? They, they really yes. did some good sweeping shots that way. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, overall, did you notice that the young adults, these students, seemed heavily influenced by Western culture? Mm-hmm. Specifically American culture, I guess. Mm-hmm. Kind of seemed like they were uniquely themselves, but not without a bunch of crap we burdened them with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shouldn't they be talking about trolls and yeah. Abba and... Shouldn't they be trolls and Abba? <laughs> shouldn't they be eating some candy that doesn't even look good to us? Ludfisk. Yeah. Ugh. Fish jerky. Yeah, I'd love to go to Scandinavia. I think it'd be cool. Yeah. I don't see anything not to like about it. No. Now living yeah. there, I, I don't know about their economy. I mean, everybody's everybody's got everything they want, but uh, I don't know if you can get ahead. I I guess you could. There's got to be some way, but it seems like everything's sort of provided for you, but the tax is extremely tax high. Tax is very high, but you know where it's going. Well, I guess that would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Because I don't have a lot of evidence of it here. I just keep paying more and more of it. Yeah, they don't, they don't spend it all on bombing people around the world. <laughs> well, if they had, they wouldn't have the Nazi infestation problem that they have well, now. Uh, I was thinking a, a good double bill, if you like uh, Nordic scenery and Nazis, uh, yeah, play uh, Dead Snow with uh, Heroes of Telemark, which is about where the uh, commandos and the Norwegian resistance uh, stopped the uh, atomic bomb program. In, oh. uh, they had a heavy water program in yeah. Norway. That sounds cool. Good war movie. If any of our listeners have any get-rich-quick schemes for Scandinavia, <laughs> when I was uh, drawing the the Lego books, I like fantasized about Lego saying, "Oh, you know, we'd like your stuff. Come over to Legoland and uh, do some signings." But but no, uh, the land yeah. of chocolate, land of Legos. Now, did you notice the uh, the real carnage in this movie? Didn't start till about forty minutes in. Did you notice it? Was, did did it feel yeah. delayed at all, or did it feel like oh, this is moving? no? It was a good setup. Yeah, I felt the same way. Yeah, the setup wasn't bad. I mean, the opening scene technically was some peril and some carnage or whatever, but mm-hmm. the um, 
the main character goes in search of the girlfriend who never showed up and finds the harbinger, the guy who was a total ass to them, finds him dead in his tent and knows that something's really wrong. So this is 40 minutes in. Uh, the Nazis get the upper hand right away. The young people look just like they're full of stupid mistakes. I don't know why they're so ill-prepared for Nazi zombies, <laughs> especially Mr. I know everything about horror movies, but it seemed, uh, it seemed like it took them a while to kind of get a grip. It should be part of their national service. Yeah, I would think so. The most inept boob out of the bunch, though, is the guy who throws the Molotov cocktail. It doesn't even make it out the window. How bad is your aim? Catches the cabin on fire. Those things are hot. You know, you've got to get them out of your hand as fast as you can. How about not lighting it until you get the stuff out of the way of the window? Until you're ready to actually throw the thing. I mean, you don't have to wait for it to warm up. It's a panic situation. I guess. I guess. They just seem ill-prepared for this. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you guys seem to do a lot of mental calisthenics thinking about how to ward off vampires or Nazi zombies. I feel like I'm kind of mentally prepared. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've got your cricket bat. I know exactly where all my silver is. <laughs> my cricket bat is not real. I would have to grab a hardwood dowel, but my cricket bat is made of foam. But it looks good with my Shaun of the Dead costume. What else is happening in this thing? Um, they did kind of the movie tropey thing where they suit up and there's the, you know, the quick little cuts the of montage, yeah. yeah, the montage of grabbing tools. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was kind of a hammer and sickle thing that's implied there. That was kind of yeah. funny. Yeah. A little visual treat for the viewers. The thing that I wanted to talk about, though, was after they do this suit up square off uh, montage thing which is silly, but it's fun. Uh, when these guys end up with bloody faces because of the chainsawing Nazis, mm-hmm. one, of, one of them does this kind of crazed face. Did that look, did you guys notice that looked kind of like American Psycho? No, I didn't. Yeah, I kind of felt like they were... Uh, referencing that. Referencing it, tipping their hat to it. Okay. I could see that. Yeah, I could probably pull that up and show you, <laughs> but uh, it seemed like it. It really did. Um. So as far as when the action actually takes place, what did you like here? Um, the machine gun on the snowmobile was pretty good. That was cool. Yeah, that was an old-timey machine gun. The terrible scene in the outhouse. That was <laughs> unfortunate, wasn't it? Yes. That was just, just cut that out. Stop it already. Um, I mean, these kids all know each other. Yeah. There's probably a warm bed in that cabin somewhere. Freezing outhouse. Freezing outhouse. Uh, let's see. If, if you um, like uh, Norwegian horror movies, there's a series called Cold Prey. And the first two of those are really good. It's a slasher. Hmm. We set up a mountain resort. The, the, the remote location, and we'll talk about this with The Shining... The remote location in winter really does uh, cut out a lot of possible interference with mm-hmm. uh, whatever the big bad is and your main characters. Yeah. And, and I, your cell phone could be working just fine, but no one's going to 
get to you. Right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They could leave the cell phone working. Yeah. Because nobody's going to come. Nobody will make it in time. By the way, I think uh, I made an error earlier thinking there was a third Dead Snow movie. I I got it confused. There's a third Cold Prey movie, which is the one that's not so good as the first two. Oh. Yeah, but the first two are, are really pretty good. Cold prey, not cold Cold play. prey, Fritwild. The uh, the first one's up at the uh, like a mountain resort, and then they it's like Halloween two. They bring the body of the killer to a hospital. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's not dead. Hijinks ensue. Hijinks, yes. Where you Wackiness. <laughs> so the tear apart kill was, in my opinion, kind of dumb. Where they grab the head. Where they grab that dude and pull him like they draw and quarter him. Yeah. They pull his legs out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a little silly and unnecessary. I mean, if you could keep the stuff visually more believable, that would be kind of better. But they were kind of stepping over the line and back with how these things might really happen in, in with actual physics. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find that it's like the CGI. Right. Thing where you, you can defy physics and just people just fly apart. Any which way you want. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't look. It looked like they were popping apart an action figure. Mm. So that that was a that was a thing I thought could have been done a different way. They could have just maybe tore his head off or <laughs> ripped his arm out and beat him with it. Just tear his head off. Yeah, Be come done on. What are you waiting for? <laughs> uh, let's see. The the guy who got bitten had to cut off his own arm with a chainsaw. Yeah, but then. That that's like the Evil Dead things. You think you know where it's going, but then right. there's the follow up on that. Yeah, there's a Nazi pops out of the snow and bites him on the wang. <laughs> yes, that's right. And then he looks. It shows him look at the chainsaw, yeah. <laughs> and of course he immediately reconsiders. That I thought I thought was pretty <laughs> that, funny. That funny. I found it unrealistic that a Nazi would bite someone on the dong. It's but... a zombie Nazi. <laughs> Yeah. They've got no rules. <laughs> oh, everything you know about Nazis doesn't necessarily apply to Nazi zombies. Yeah. It wasn't an act of love. No. No, it wasn't. You're right. So the, the Gestapo guys are the ones that finally... You've got your army regulars, right? And then you've got the yeah. Gestapo. Herzog. Herzog. <laughs> SS. Yes. He's like yeah. Death Squad SS. Yeah. So they've got the Totenkopf pin and... Mm-hmm. The, the really snappy Hugo Boss uniforms. Are we the baddies? <laughs> <laughs> so these guys finally show up and you think, well, here's a little a little group of them. Maybe they can handle them. But when the one guy, the leader of them, I don't know what rank he is, general, I don't know. Uh, he finally uh, sort of does this big, uh, big roar or a call out of some sort. Yeah. And a, just hundreds of these things appear to pop out of the snow. Mm. So there, what could have been a manageable number is now an impossible number. Yeah. So that's when you know there's there's no solution here. But the main character, the last boy, thinks of one, which is to go to the to the ashes of what used to be the cabin and find that box of Nazi gold and just give it back to them. Maybe they'll stop it already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Reasonable. Yeah, seems seems fine. Uh, didn't mention at the top of the show we were going to spoil everything, did I? <laughs> no. Ah, I knew I was forgetting something. Say it now and then you can edit it in. Yeah. 
in this podcast, we're going to spoil everything we talk about. So uh, if you don't want it spoiled, go back and watch this stuff and then come back and listen to this. I'm not really going to cut that into the beginning. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it right there. I'm going to leave it right there before I say uh, it all works out fine. It seems to be working until... Um, there's a piece of gold missing. Didn't this happen in Pirates of the Caribbean? And Leprechaun. And I Leprechaun. was going to say, that's straight out of Leprechaun. <laughs> when you're stealing your shit from Leprechaun, you've got problems. Oh, come on. Leprechaun's a fabulous series of films. If you chase Coolio. Cinematic treasure. <laughs> was it Coolio that they appeared to be? Yes, Coolio. Filming unwittingly or unwillingly? Kind of, yeah. It kind of felt that way, that he was standing around in this house and they filmed it and they spliced it into the movie and leprechaun six in the hood or whatever it is yeah leprechaun six part two (laughs) yeah so this kind of felt like we'd seen it before when the guy missing the arm who appears like he's going to survive gets in his car to escape he's made it and there's one coin on the floor. How did it get on the floor of the car? I don't remember. I don't remember either. But then uh, the general or major or whatever he is, is outside his window and boom, smashes the window. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. All right. Now, this feels like it could be a setup for a sequel. And if the sequel had the same tone and the same pacing and the same judicious use of <laughs> intestines it, it might all kind of fit together but if you watch the sequel right after watching this i would imagine it feels like oh someone else is in charge of this yeah, thing yeah. it is not the same kind of thing at all yeah because this director came over and did um hansel and gretel didn't he that's what i that yes. one didn't work right no that was a stinker <laughs> I heard it was bad, so I didn't watch it. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So, oh no, one last coin. So so now. We don't need to talk about the sequel too much, because it doesn't look or feel like this at all. And I've not seen it. And you've not seen it, so you've not seen it? I've not seen it. I did not see that coming. I did not see <laughs> So this brings us around to something, we, I don't know why we didn't talk about this one first, but let's get to the to the least of the three, the inferior movie, The Shining. Yes. <laughs> Terrible film. Awful. I don't believe this director made anything else. No. <laughs> no, this was released in 1980. Um, film, Stunning debut. Filming took, what did you say, Jolene, two years? Uh, something like five years and it was in development. Five years. Yeah. Let me see if I have that thing here. You must have like read the book and got right on it. Cause do. Did I? Did I? I know I showed Will this. Did I show yeah. you? Yeah. Nope. Okay. Way back in the day, I was working at Musicland in Chicago, which uh, doesn't exist anymore, and they had stores like Suncoast Video and Musicland and Sam Goody. Uh, I worked with this young guy, um, Alan. Um, he was, he looked like Val Kilmer and he was a handful of years younger than me. He must've been 16 to be working at a store and I was 19 or 20 or whatever. And I was talking about how much I liked horror movies in particular, the shining. And he laughed and he said, you won't believe this, but I was one of the last um, contenders to play Danny yeah. 
And I said, that's amazing. That's really cool. Tell me more about it. And he told me a little bit about casting and reading and all this stuff. And uh, he said, I've still got the letter. I'll show it to you. Mm-hmm. And he found a better job or his folks told him he didn't need to work anymore. I don't know what happened, but uh, he knew he had worked. He was working his last shift and I wasn't on, but he left me a Xerox of the letter. And I have that right here still <laughs> from Warner Brothers Distributing. And he was apparently in Bolingbrook, Illinois. They did their casting in Chicago. And uh, he was to go in at 4.10 p.m. Monday, the 26th of September, 1977. And this was going to be at the Warner Brothers suite in Chicago at this hotel. And uh, the casting director was Leon Vitali, who signed this letter. But I, I held on to this. I ran across it a few months ago and threw it in a drawer where I could find it. It seems like Stanley Kubrick handpicked people that he knew fit his vision exactly. The biggest gripe you hear people uh, give about Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance is that he appears kind of nuts to begin with because he's Jack Nicholson. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have any problem with that really because he goes from crazy to super crazy in the movie. Yeah, it's it's kind of strange because we all grew up with him past this point. You know, when, when we were going to see movies by ourselves, it, you know, we this was the Jack Nicholson we knew, like the crazy, yeah. the Joker, and all that. But you see his earlier films, and it's it's really uh, quite strange to see him so restrained and yeah, like a normal person. I think it was one flew over the cuckoo's nest, maybe that cemented it for Kubrick. Uh, yeah, Scatman Crothers is in that as well. Right. So you've, <laughs> so you've got uh, a good glimpse at how crazy he can be. And uh, Easy Rider wasn't so bad either. I mean, as far as getting a look at what he could do yeah. as an actor. I like him. I think it's a good choice. I can't picture him any other way. Yeah. But... Uh, it was definitely a, a you know, deliberate choice because he was filming so many takes and picking out the, the later takes where he was mugging and... Right. Doing more extreme expressions. You know, he wasn't going for the, the initial takes where he was you know, uh, underplaying it, maybe. And, well, and if, tormented if, poor Shelley Duvall. She yeah. broke down. Yeah, she was a, a nervous wreck making this movie. Yeah. And, he, and that was by design. Kubrick wanted her to be frazzled the whole time. Mm-hmm. And he knew exactly how to do that. Torment her. So it makes him seem like not a very nice guy, but maybe he's known to be obsessive and very detail oriented. He was. Um, So I I can imagine that being obsessed with getting exact results that he wants, he was going to do whatever it took. And this is what he did. He tortured that poor woman. And by all accounts, the children involved with this movie, three of them, um, the, the, the Grady twins and Danny, uh, they were they were treated well, from what I can tell, mm-hmm. and coached along to get the results without knowing what they were making. They didn't yeah. know that they were making a very spooky movie. And uh, I suppose if you ask Stephen King, he wouldn't be very happy with any of it. Apparently he didn't like the movie. Well, that's too bad. Well, yeah, that's that's one person that didn't like it. So what if you wrote the book? Although this movie was not very popular when it came out, I understand. I don't remember it the response. Some pretty 
bad reviews. <clears throat> well, a lot of good movies would get bad reviews out of the gate. But um, do you remember the first time you saw this? Mm. Was it on cable? Yeah, it was probably on cable. Um, I remember being kind of bored by it the first time I saw it. I was pretty young and I was, I don't know. Um, I don't know what I was expecting out of it. Something a little flashier. Where's all the monsters? Yeah, exactly. Stephen yeah. King kind of. Because by the time it got out, it was the height of slasher. Exactly. Movie. Yeah. So maybe kids were going to see a, a movie which is just over an hour long, delivered lots of gore and jumps. And yeah. Then, and then they go on somewhere else. But this is like two and a half hour movie. Yeah. Kids who want gremlins as something that's more their speed aren't going to really groove with The Shining very well, are they? Mm. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, Friday the 13th kind of. Yeah. Kids weren't going to, they wouldn't dig this. And that's kind of how I was when I first saw it. It's only on later reviews, having seen more Kubrick films, uh, that I, you know, really started to like this thing. Yeah, I definitely yeah. like it more now than mm -hmm. How time. just odd it all feels mm. definitely it there's a there's a, a a tone and a mood to this movie that that kind of carries through and and doesn't waver it seems like there's this impending doom and in keeping with the whole wintry thing you know they they're up there in fall at the end of the like the tourist season and it being the rocky mountains winter's right around the corner uh I think, what is the saying? Uh, there are two seasons in the Rockies. Um, winter and not winter yet. <laughs> or winter and almost winter. Uh, so the, the, the groundwork is laid early in the movie for the isolation that's going to happen. They basically tell them the roads aren't going to be usable. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to be stuck here until April mm -hmm. or May or whatever it is. So I think that they don't hit us over the head with us with the idea. They show us a, a long helicopter shot of the winding road and the car driving up. So you get the idea. You really do. And I like I like that they establish it that way. Because when it does start to happen and you see the first oh, here's the first little snowstorm and they're out playing in it, this is kinda nice. It still feels very full of doom. Uh, do you remember the first time you saw this? Um, I it must have been video, but uh, I remember seeing the trailer when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, you know, before I could see these films, and uh, the trailer was so scary. It was very spooky. It was just like you get clips of him whacking in the door with an axe. Yeah. And that scene where he, <coughs> after he chops Dick Halloran, Scatman Crothers. And he just rises up into frame. They use that in the trailer, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And Jack there's, just there's, looks there's like shots of this maze and yeah, um, yeah. And, and and all I knew apart from that is that is like the uh, the poster and the book cover, which is like a yellow thing, and then then the shining logo rippling across it, and then these these kind of eyes looking out through mm -hmm. the T. Yeah, the stipple drawing. So I thought, oh, this is this must be terrifying. Yeah. When I saw it, it felt, you know, I, I wasn't scared at all. But <laughs> No, I don't think it's scary. 
I found it very scary. I, I think I was 13 when I first saw it, and I, I was scared by it for sure. Uh, well, I found it scary. I wasn't scared by it. I, I grew up on horror movies, but it, it, it was something where if you had to get up and go get a drink of water or something, you might wait <laughs> <laughs> after seeing it. I mean, when it's still fresh in your mind. Um, but I think the, the mood of the thing is really... Uh, even when nothing's happening, it feels like something bad is happening. And I, mm. I think that, that uh, Kubrick really nailed that. I find it creepier now. Yeah. As an adult. Initially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can there's, there's, there's like that scene where, uh, where him and Mr. Gray are in the bathroom. And it's mm-hmm. all red and white. And they don't move. They're just, uh, it's just their eyes. It's the only thing that moves. And there's this really long scene where they're talking and, yeah. And uh, you realize how dark this thing is getting. Yeah. And I especially noticed that when grabbing... His family and Sorry. The threat to his family and, and him being a lost soul who's, who's always been at the Overlook, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that particular shot when I was grabbing audio, trying to rewind and find the part I wanted to grab was hard to do because it's like, uh, well, they, they're not doing anything different for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And to try and find a specific spot, you just just record the whole thing and clip it out later perhaps um they need a good they talking to they film this in england now yeah mostly this is a good a good place to sort of stop and ask you do you know much about the studio where this was done this is uh borum wood yeah yeah what else was filmed there that you know of uh well while it, his his filming was going on so long that it held up uh, reds and empire strikes back and raiders of the lost ark wow that's that's pretty serious. Uh, do you know about the hedge maze? Yeah, they uh, they didn't build a whole labyrinth. They had um, they have the uh, the front the entry mm-hmm. was built across from the hotel exterior set, and then the the hedges were uh, they they'd stick branches onto board, mm-hmm. and then it'd be a hollow hedge thing that they could move around. Oh, okay. So they they built like sections at a time. And the snow? Do you remember what the snow was? Uh, so snow is mostly salt. Yeah. And the falling stuff was styrofoam, I think. Oh, I didn't. But know the that. actual piles of snow was salt. Yeah, something called dairy salt, which I'm yeah. not sure what that is. I don't know if they meant like. It's is it creamy? It's, like, it's yeah. It's, <laughs> and salty. It's delicious, but you're gonna need a glass of water. Yeah. Um, the whole thing apparently the set was kind of warm not uh yeah people it felt so cold looking at it that people didn't notice there was right. <laughs> there was no uh vapor coming off of people's breath yeah you could see him sweating yeah when he's running around at the end that is yeah. kind of, it's kind of a but funny like, thing some of the exteriors like uh, were filmed up in um uh, mount hood wasn't it yeah mount hood oregon mm-hmm. yeah yeah the exteriors of the hotel uh which is not the stanley no and a brief history of that if our listeners care to hear it um here in colorado there's a a town uh, up in the mountains called Estes Park. And the Stanley Hotel, which was built by a wealthy man who made his fortune off of a steam-powered vehicle called the Stanley Steamer, um, built this grand hotel. And apparently back in the 70s when Stephen King was trying to move out of Maine, which is hard to imagine now, um, he was in Boulder, Colorado, and trying to get a job at the Boulder Daily Camera, which is the newspaper there. And they finally just told him, Mr. King, you're just not a 
good enough writer for a newspaper of our caliber. And he was kind of bummed. And some friends told him, I think, if I remember the story correctly, that, hey, you like writing those spooky stories and stuff. Why don't you go check out this hotel? Everyone says it's haunted. And his imagination started going and he's booked a a weekend or a few nights at the um, Stanley Hotel and was immediately inspired and started writing The Shining. And I guess he wrote maybe a few chapters while he stayed there. And as they say, the rest is history, but there's a, re- a recent, uh, there's a recent addition to this story, which is there's so much tourism because of the Stanley being mm. essentially the setting of the shining that they have now added a hedge maze. <laughs> they, had a really? des- they had a design contest and I think it was spring of this year, 2015, that they actually planted the hedge maze. Wow. So, and then they're making a museum, aren't they? Yes, there's a horror museum going in there. The, every year they do the Stanley Film Fest, which is a bunch of horror films. Um, and they did do the made-for-TV miniseries. Um, they did film that at the Stanley with um, Brian from Wings. With Brian from Wings. <laughs> what's, his, what's the actor's name? Is that Stephen Weber? Stephen Weber, who invented the Weber Grill. He did. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, he didn't. And related to Andrew Lloyd. <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Weber Grill. That's our, our punk band we're starting. So all of this to say that uh, if you if you want to get your spooky, uh, shining vibe on, this would be a good time of year to come here and visit. Yeah. Just watch but out for the don't elk. Don't move here. <laughs> don't move here. Okay, there's a trap. We have to tell you about it. We didn't really legalize weed. <laughs> it's a trick. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to... You're going to buy it, and they're going to arrest you. So where were we? Uh, great feeling of isolation, impending doom. Uh, we all saw this probably younger than we should have. Yeah. Now, on on one particular rewatch or another, did it get more spooky for you, Will, or did it just never really hit that no, note it's, with you? No, it's gotten spookier. I mean, it just young i think how we talked about you know it wasn't a slasher film so i wasn't really into it yeah if there's not a slasher if there's not a monster if yeah. nobody's cracking wise while people die <laughs> right no zippy one-liners well, i thought that might be a reason why it didn't do so well when it came out i uh, yeah i totally I, agree with that i didn't mind it not being a slasher i, I loved the novel because you know i just loved stephen king when i was a kid but, oh yeah he was fantastic uh yeah, so I was a little disappointed it wasn't as intense as the novel. Yeah, I never actually read The Shining. I read a lot of his books, but I didn't get around to reading The Shining. Yeah, there was some scary <clears throat> stuff that he put out there for us back in the day. I haven't read anything new in decades, but I holy crap, Pet read, Cemetery? Uh, yeah, Pet Cemetery. <laughs> That's a scary good. book. <clears throat> um, Eleven twenty two sixty three. I want to read that. It was pretty good. I'm yeah. fascinated with the Kennedy yeah, assassination. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, Courtney Love was behind that, by the way. Yeah. It's no Libra <laughs> by Don DeLillo, but it's a pretty good book. Uh, let's, uh, let's throw something out there for the listeners that they might really enjoy. If you've seen Room 237, and speaking of conspiracies and conspiracy theories... This is a documentary that talks a lot about, you know, jumps around from, from, uh, person to person, and nutcase to person. <laughs> There's a few really nutty people in this thing. Um, 
you might really enjoy hearing some different theories on what was Stanley Kubrick up to? What was he, what was he doing? What was he trying to tell us? Uh, and the man didn't let a single frame of film happen that he didn't have complete control over. That is fair to say, isn't it? Yeah. And he was that much of, you could say control freak, but he was very meticulous. Um, if you want to kind of read up and look at just lists of crazy stuff that is in the movie, it's not a matter of opinion. This is stuff that's on the screen. Johnny's53blogspot.com. I discovered this a handful of years ago. It's, and I'll spell it out, J-O-N-N-Y-S-5-3-dot-blogspot.com. Um, for example, he has entire lists of numbers that appear in the movie and theories as to why those numbers appear in the movie in the frequency that they do. And, the, and I'm scrolling as I'm saying this, and it just goes on and on. And then he shows... So how many times does 42 turn up? 42. I'll, I'll just read some of this to give you an idea. Um, there's a looks like about a dozen instances. Danny wears the number 42 on his T-shirt in the mm-hmm. bathroom. There are 42 vehicles in the upper parking lot before Jack's interview. How now, can you count that? Freeze frame it and count them, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's on frame, though. I mean, it's... Um, okay. Wendy swings the bat 42 times. Wow. Tony says red rum 42 times. Um, the last nine times, Danny's voice changes back. Two times three times seven equals 42. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's room 237. Uh, Wendy and, and, and Danny... The book is 217. Yeah. Right. Which apparently didn't work for Stanley, so he... Well, that actually, uh, it's the launch code of the missile in Doctor Strangelove. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, awesome. Well, there's a callback. I dig that. Thank you for knowing that. <laughs> uh, there are... Um, uh, Wendy and Danny are watching a movie on the television. It's Summer of 42. Yes. Uh, there are two versions of the film. One is 24 minutes shorter than the other. I don't know what that has to do with 42. Uh, reverse 24. Oh, okay. There we go. Uh, as she walks through the Colorado lounge with a bat, Wendy steps on the wood floor 42 times. <laughs> and I don't know what this has to do with anything. It says Jack's name two times. During Mr. Ullman's tour, 42 windows can be seen on the overlook before he shows them the snowcat. Um, wow. Yeah, so this is stuff that you can say, well, whatever, you know, if you're looking for it, it's there. But it does seem all very specific. Uh, the list of stuff where the number 24 is used goes on and on, which is, as you pointed out, the reverse of 42. Um, and we're talking counted off footsteps, numbers of pieces of mail in the slots behind the receptionist. Wow. How many times do you have to watch this film before you start counting the footsteps? 42. <laughs> At least 42, I'm guessing. Yeah. But this guy's this guy's blog, um, Johnny's 53 blog spot, has a bunch of stuff about time codes and durations of scenes, um, things that move, and Kubrick would not allow this. You know this wouldn't happen unless it was intentional. Mm-hmm. Um color changes in the movie like the typewriter for example the adler typewriter changes um from i think a tan one to a red one or something like that yeah it's, it's disorienting because the uh, spaces in the hotel don't match the exterior yeah that's a good point <clears throat> like the ballroom couldn't fit in any of the buildings right you see and then you were talking about uh there's the office with the window showing Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Ullman's office when Jack comes for his interview. 
it's impossible that it would have sunlight in the windows behind them. Yeah. And so all of this stuff makes people ask, well, what is Stanley trying to tell us? I don't know if he's trying to tell us anything. Well, I wonder how much uh, influence there is from Mario Bava. Um, he, he did this uh, movie, uh, Operazione Paura, uh, Kill Baby Kill, uh-huh. in 1966. And that's uh, it's definitely influential on James Wan's films, like The Conjuring. And, and uh, th- there's this... Um, scene where a ball bounces out of nowhere mm-hmm. oh. uh, and you can see that in the shining you see mm-hmm. it in the changeling you see it in the conjuring um and and also there's a scene where uh, someone runs into a room and out the opposite door and then they're still running but they come in through the door they entered through yeah as if spaces <laughs> you're thinking what i'm thinking just like in scooby-doo yeah it's kind of like that <laughs> pre-scooby-doo so maybe even Scooby Doo is influenced by Mario Bava. Holy but shit! It's not like it's not like a continuous like a cyclorama going round. Right. You see them come in one door, go through the opposite door, and then they come in through the first door again. So it's this idea of disorient like spaces warped around them. It's, yeah. They're in this dream space. You can't trust physical reality anymore. So the, you know, in The Shining, people were losing losing their minds. To various levels, and uh, so, yeah. so maybe that's what he was going for. I think so. Now, now did did the whole thing kind of fall apart for you um, when uh, toward the end of the movie, when Wendy is running after she's gotten Danny safely out of the building? Um, Wendy goes running down the hallways and into the ballroom and all this, and she sees things that arguably are there if she's seeing them. She may be frazzled, but she hasn't lost her mind. Is she seeing apparitions when she sees these skeletons and oh, the yeah. um, the furry and the and the butler getting it on? <laughs> yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Is it? It is weird. What are they doing? Um, well, uh, I'm guessing that there's more to that scene in the book, but I not have it from the book. Huh? Yeah, because because yeah, that that mask that the guy's wearing wouldn't facilitate the obvious. Yeah. <laughs> the obvious implication. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Well. It, it, I, I love scenes like that. It's like, yeah. Wow. What? <laughs> what did I just see? <laughs> I think I think I put that a still photo of that where the butler sits up and they both turn and look at the camera. I put a still photo of that on my nephew's yeah. uh, Facebook page and said, happy birthday. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, it's like the orgy scene in Eyes Wide Shut. Well, there's people wearing masks and doing various things at the orgy, and right. they're all rich types. Uh, that, that maybe that's just some hang-up that Stanley Kubrick had yeah, was just know. wanting to dress people up in funny costumes and masks <laughs> and make them do things. Well, he made a whole movie of it, so with eyes wide shut. So the the way this thing moves along, uh, are you are you both pretty um, intrigued by it when you are watching the thing? I mean, I know it's a long movie. Yeah. Uh, don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've watched it several times now. Yeah. Having watched <clears> it recently, I kind of felt like I didn't remember it being a long movie. And I and I looked yeah. at the runtime on it and I said, oh, that's kind of weird. Yeah. I love long movies. And if, they're, if they're using their time. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite movies ever is about seven hours long. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Uh, the Human Condition. It's this Japanese movie about this guy who goes off to war. Hmm. 
Fantastic. So all in all... Um, I, mean, I remember the first time I watched The Seven Samurai. And I, I think the third time I watched it, actually, I, uh, I checked out the runtime. And uh, it's three and a half hours long. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Like, that thing just blasts through. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And, and I watched like uh, I watched the, the latest Terminator movie. And that, that was the opposite way around. It felt like, oh, my God, this thing is over three hours long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just went on and on. That's yeah. I find too often movies are you know that are over two hours or. It's a duration. It's a yeah. Yeah, you can feel your butt muscles. Yeah, Yeah, it's like trying to hold it on a long car ride. (laughs) It's a test. It really feels like a test, doesn't it? You know the terrible Hobbit movies. Haven't watched a single one. Oh yeah. Oh, especially the first one. Oh, oh, I was God. really feeling that. Yeah, uh, Eugenia is a huge uh, Hobbit fan, or mm-hmm. Tolkien fan. Yeah, I, I love the novel. We got to the end of it, and she's like, "What? That's it?" There's, and I was like, "There's two more movies." And she's like, "That's it. I'm not watching them." Right. So, we've not seen the other two because the first one was just, whew, I don't know, four or five hours long, yeah. twelve hours long. Yeah. yeah, it's painful. It is. And it did not look very good. I have to tell you, I'm really glad that our winters aren't as bad as as the winter they're having in The Shining. Not even no. talking about the mountains, like Dick Halloran flying into Denver and then driving up to what we assume is someplace like Boulder to head up the mountain on a snowcat. Yeah. I'm glad our winters don't get that bad typically down here. Yeah, well, and sometimes the airport's closed, but that might be because of the lizards. Yeah, yeah. the lizard people. Doing the bidding of Courtney Love. I'm not in Florida, Larry. I'm calling from Stapleton Airport. What the hell are you doing down there? Well, I just got in from Miami, and I got to get up to the Overlook today. Um, overall, though, did you feel like, even now that you know it's a bunch of dairy salt and whatnot, <laughs> did you feel like all the wintry stuff really worked in The Shining? Yeah. Yeah. I did, too. I mean, there was, it just felt like there is no escape. This is, this is a, a remote location that, you're just doomed. Yeah. yeah. And then add a bunch of apparitions and furries doing the nasty and with butlers and uh, yeah, the whole hotel and its environs are hostile. Yeah. Yeah. When I was about 18 or so, I got a job at a ski resort and orientation was on a winter afternoon. So it, it was right around sundown at, I don't know, four thirty or five o'clock. And, uh, there was a snowcat park nearby, and this place was just completely loaded with snow, and I felt like, oh no, this is where it all happens. I'm going to be in a place like this. I don't know how to drive a snowcat. I didn't know how to drive a snowcat. In fact, I didn't own a car. I would hitchhike up and down this mountain. Oh. And it was super easy, because you always had coworkers and skiers. Yeah. I never had any trouble getting a ride, and I actually got to see a moose up close once. Mm. It galloped in front of a car I was Where catching was a ride this? in. This was in northern Idaho. Okay. Schweitzer Ski Resort. It's probably changed an awful lot since I've been there. Yeah. But if um, someone offered money to stay in a the Overlook Hotel or something like it for months. I'd do it for free. You could get on with your writing and drawing or whatever. I'd, yeah. I'd do it, yeah. Yeah, I'd do it. I wouldn't take anyone with me. And if it was haunted, that's just a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's only, it's only going to enhance what you're writing. I, I'd, I'd worry about other people being there because they'd get bored. And... 
yeah pick up axes and things but yeah but just by myself i'd love it we should we should call that guy who take my go-kart <laughs> your big wheel yeah take your big wheel and ride it around the hotel there's a there's a company Definitely. here in denver that makes adult sized big wheels <laughs> bigger wheels bigger, bigger wheels, wheels. <laughs> that's what they should call them they probably get sued by mattel or whoever makes them but um we should talk about the thing sometime and have that guy who worked in it mm. in at wow can i talk much in antarctica that place antarctica <laughs> uh we should get that guy have him on the show yeah we, we have a, a krampus expert um well he's more an expert of of uh german literature and folklore and culture um we could have mike on the show and talk about the Krampus after we've watched it. Yeah, we're going to go out and see it on Yeah, Sunday. we've got to go see that. You want to go see it Sunday? Uh, yeah, sure. All right, so we're going to watch that and then talk about it afterward. Uh, That'll be our first new movie. <laughs> yeah, because we keep saying, uh, hey, we watch all the new movies and talk about them and stuff. Well, I guess that's me. I say that. But <laughs> I say it in this really dumb voice. And you, you said it operating a sock puppet. That was weird. Yeah. <laughs> a ventriloquist dummy. We talk about old movies and new movies. And we're going to spoil them, see? You're freaking me out now. <laughs> we're going to talk. We should do a whole show on ventriloquist dummies um, oh, yeah. for New Year's. because We of... could do a show on all three things. <laughs> and uh, I've never seen the TV movie. Uh the Twilight Zone. The... Well, didn't, didn't didn't George Clooney or someone did a they did a live TV drama hmm, based I don't on know. Who Goes There? I don't, I don't know. I, I was out of the country at the time. I don't know this one. Okay, I've yeah. never seen it. Huh. So we'll we'll go see the Krampus as the the Germans I think pronounce it Krampus. 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 Yes. Um. And a lot of people are pronouncing it Krampus. I don't care how you pronounce it. It looks cool. It looks like, why not have a big goat-like Christmas devil, uh, which goes back hundreds of years in German folklore. Why not have this thing be in a movie? <laughs> Apparently there's a couple of them out there. Yeah. But we'll go see it and talk about it. There's, there's been like four Krampus movies this year. Yeah. I Just in searching around, I noticed that there were already some out there. Mm-hmm. That have been made and <laughs> I mean, we resoundingly do, ignored, I guess. If you want to do more wintry episodes, there's there's like Yeti movies. Ah. Um, I want, there's this. Uh, I think it's a Finland Finnish movie called White Reindeer. I want to see. Hmm. It's kind of a werewolf, but with reindeer. Oh, <laughs> from, that sounds it's cool. Awesome. It's from the fifties. Yeah. Uh. Even though it could be cool. And, uh, and then there's films like there's there's a more recent one called Wendigo, okay, based on the, the, the Indian legend, Native American legend, yeah, yeah. Wendigo. And uh, and so we're going to do a Christmas episode. We should for sure. Uh, let's see, without looking at a calendar. But, um, so so we're into December now. Um, yeah. Uh, if anyone who gets TCM, you should check out their schedules because they've got I mean, they've got all the, the usual Christmas movies you expect, and they've got a whole bunch of Christmas Carol versions. Um, uh, uh, next Friday, uh, Friday after you hear this, or if you if you hear it when we put it out, Friday the eleventh of December anyway. Uh, they're showing uh, So Young So Bad, which is my second favorite 
and Francis maybe ever. Um, but they're also showing um, Meet Me in St. Louis, which is regarded as a Christmas movie because it's got the classic song in it. Um, but it's got this great Halloween scene in it. Um, so this is back in the 40s, and yeah. filmed back in the 40s. But there's it kind of shows you how wild it, it used to be. These kids are just like setting fires in the streets. It's, yeah. It's a good Halloween scene. And Saturday the 12th, they're showing House by the Cemetery and The Walking Dead. Ah. And Saturday 19th, they're showing Possession with Isabella Gianni. Interesting. Cracking up in, I think it's Berlin. That sounds good. Very strange. So that we're recording, uh, it looks like the 9th. What is today? The 2nd? Second. 2nd. So if we record on the 9th, then we can double back like we did when we started doing Wednesday nights. We can go back to Sundays on the 13th. All right. Okay. So really up to you guys, but obviously I'll cut this out. It's not of interest to anybody. <laughs> oh, I think this is what should be in. This, this is the be good stuff. Most of the podcast is us. Us talking about our schedules. schedules and... And... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, The Shining, mm. to wrap to wrap up talking about that, uh, any final thoughts on The Shining? It's a, do you think it's a classic? Yeah, I think it's a classic. Yeah. It's earned its place, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent movie. Yeah. It, I would recommend it pretty much to anybody who I wanted to scare. Uh, who A lot of times I'll ask, well, would you recommend it to a horror movie fan? Would you recommend it to someone who's not? I would recommend it to both. I don't know how you get to be a horror movie fan without having seen it already, but... Mm. Okay. It's so iconic and it's been parodied so many times, you know. Yeah. It's part of culture now. It really is. But thankfully, it's one of those that, despite having <clears throat> a zillion parodies, mm. I find it holds up. Yeah. Uh, like Psycho has been, you know, there's a zillion parodies. <laughs> but you actually sit down and watch the movie. It's a damn good movie. Yeah. yeah. It really is. What was that? I think that was a ghost. <laughs> I think you might be right. Wait, over there. What was that? <laughs> you guys hear that? You feel that? It's cold over here. <laughs> get out. Get out. <laughs> we are going to get out oh, shortly. Oh, it's the zombie Nazis outside <laughs> next door. I hate when that happens. Now I have to go get the chainsaw. <laughs> um, so, yeah, The Shining, uh, it's a classic. Check it out if you haven't. I don't know why you wouldn't have if you're listening to this podcast. But I think the feeling of isolation and winteriness uh, Stuff like this, I think, is really fun in wintertime because you either have to be bummed out that it's not spring or summer yet or just dig the fact that it's winter and, you know, watch some of this stuff and enjoy the season for what it is. Mm. Uh, Even when you live somewhere that doesn't have cold weather, you can kind of still have fun with this stuff. Do you watch this a lot in Hawaii? (laughs) Well, my favorite Christmas memory of Hawaii was riding around on my mountain bike uh, through the streets of Kailua on a warm, what felt like summer night. And there's all these Christmas lights and decorations in front of the houses and palm trees and mild weather. It was kind of hilarious. I remember barbecuing outside one time, wearing flip-flops, talking to my brother who was like, yeah, I got to go do some snow plowing. I was like, yeah, I got to turn this chicken. <laughs> it's like watching uh, any Christmas thing that's set in Australia. seems oh, it's weird. really strange because it's the middle of summer. Mm. Everybody's all sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
so the Krampus movie, uh, that'll be a thing. And then we could probably do our, our actual um, Horror Comes to Christmas episode after that. Yep. I think it'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. And then when it gets to be around New and let me look again at the calendar because let's see when New Year's Eve, New Year's Day falls because um, it's really fun for me to watch the Twilight Zone marathon and just pick a few favorite episodes and watch them. And Jolien, you said you're a little bit less familiar with the series. Mm-hmm. I think it might be kind of cool for you to see some of these, especially the fantastic William Shatner. Oh, I think I've seen his. I've seen the one with the gremlin. Okay, and have you seen Nick of Time, the one with the little fortune-telling machine? Uh, possibly. I don't know if he did another one besides those two. I think those are the only two he was in. I love those two, and the <clears> monsters <throat> are due on Maple Street, which is wonderful. Um, but let's see. I think it's on a Friday. It is. Interesting. So if we record on the 27th of December... My birthday, by the way. December 3rd is Jolien's birthday. For all of you listening... I was going to say, tomorrow's your birthday, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, just before I left, this box turned up at the door, and it was this huge book of uh, film noir. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I haven't opened it yet, but I don't know who it's from. Oh, wow. I didn't order it. So whoever sent that to me, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> <Fantastic>. <laughs> nice work. Way to know your birthday, boy. Yeah. So yeah, December... When's your birthday, Will? April. April, just like Jesus. Yeah, just like Jesus. <laughs> Mine is December 27th. Yeah. Lucky so you. You get screwed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had a Christmas. I get scrooged. <laughs> My folks were really good about <laughs> keeping it a separate day. <laughs> uh, I have a friend who, she's just obsessed with making sure people know that it is her birthday on December 24th. It's like, um, yeah, and what else is it? Uh, well, friend of the show, Crystal, has a Halloween birthday. Yeah. So That's not as bad. That's I cool. think that's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's so Brebri-esque. Yeah, <laughs> I think that would be great. So Only yeah. one better is Leap Year. Yeah, then you... I had a neighbor oh, who was... I'm born. seven! <laughs> yes. <laughs> she was born on February, you know, 29th, something. Whatever year. Some year. So I think she was like eight when I, I mean, <laughs> she was older than that, college. but. <laughs> You're going to jail. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Shall we wrap this thing up? I think so. All right. Well. Um, thank the moon rays. Of course. How would we not thank the moon rays? Thank you to the moon rays for providing us intro creature features at the top of the show. You can find their music at the moon rays.com and buy their stuff on Amazon if you'd like to buy it there. Uh, We will be coming back talking about the Krampus, maybe with an expert on German folklore and German literature, a friend of the show named Mike. Um, Is he alive? He is alive. We're not going to have to channel him or anything. We are going to have to find another microphone. He's not a Nazi. He's not a Nazi. Yeah, we're going to have to have another microphone. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we're going to have to dig up a microphone. Okay. Uh, somewhere. I don't know. I'll figure that out somehow. Uh, thank you for listening. Please do go to iTunes if you have an iTunes account and rate, review, and subscribe. It does help other people find us and listen to us. We now have listeners in Finland. Yay. Brazil yes. is still ahead of of the <laughs> Netherlands and Finland. Okay. Uh, so thank you, Brazil, for listening. 
it's kind of awesome to know that, that yes that we mean something to you we'll talk about coffin joe sometime i promise you oh yeah that'll be great because that's a he's like a, a hero in brazil isn't he <laughs> is he <laughs> is he yeah. i don't know isn't he <laughs> all right until we're next. gonna tell people he is yes coffin yes. joe um, national treasure of yeah. brazil i want to go to coffin joe land in brazil there's a coffin joe land <laughs> well if he's national hero I suspect. yeah i oh. imagine there's... yeah he's brazil's dent disney yes <laughs> he's the walt disney of brazil it's the walt disney of brazil play with tarantulas rooms and things yeah. yeah instead of a ball pit they have a tarantula pit yeah that'd be great we should invent that if it's not a thing mm. well listeners thank you for listening and until next week stay off the moors thank you Our feet is in.